Hello and welcome to episode 114 of Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Jake Stern of Meridian, Same, and the Otis Wolves. If you were one of the people who checked out that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, today on the show, we got somebody else from the Otis Wolves, someone you might know. A fella by the name of Max Bulger. And for those of you that don't know Max, I just told you he plays in the Otis Wolves. He's actually the founder of the Otis Wolves. And as you will come to learn through this conversation, if you don't already know, he was one of the people behind the notorious borderline legendary Pittsburgh DIY venue 222 Ormsby. And today on the show, we're going to talk a lot about the Otis Wolves, Max Ormsby, his uh, come up in the scene, his temporary sort of break from the scene because of things that we'll get into, and his comeback, his triumphant return to the scene with this new iteration of the Otis Wolves in a live band format. I feel like I'm spoiling some things. I don't want to don't want to ruin it, but chances are you probably already know a lot of this junk, but if you don't, you're going to learn a lot about it. You're going to learn a lot about Max, you're going to learn a lot about the Otis Wolves and Ormsby. And yeah, I think I've introduced this conversation plenty enough. So, let's just get on with it. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Check. Mic check. All right, so you, you said you just told me that you've been all over the place. Oh, yeah. What's the most exciting thing you've done lately? Well, lately, um, I guess I relaunched the Otis Wolves. has been about a year and a half ago. I relaunched uh, what was like a an acoustic project I had about six, seven years ago. I relaunched it into a full band project and picked up a bunch of these young kids, um, Jake Stern, Laura, and... Uh, Benny and uh, and bunch been, of whippersnappers. Yeah, have been taking these these nineteen, twenty, twenty two year old kids out on. We went on a northeast tour and and really like uh, just learned how to play music again. I took like a, I took a huge break. What was the break all about? Well, I, I ran this man. We I needed. <laughs> I, I had this. I had this. I needed a break. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, like so, I've always lived in Pittsburgh and. You know, growing up, it was like I had my high school band and that like did okay. And then like I had like this huge period of time where I uh, ran the venue 222 Ormsby. 
Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, and so like it's like this incredible experience where like you know every night is filled with a story. I met bands from all over the place. It's like it's like the legit rock star. I've ruined my life. I need to stop for like three <laughs> years. Story <laughs> okay. is exactly that. Okay. So like I needed this break because like I had partied for ten years without without stopping at all. And uh, and though I wrote like these acoustic songs that like felt really genuine to me, like six years ago, you know, they got lost in this haze of like taking five dollar bills at the door and letting your kid, your friends in through the kitchen in the back, you know, like. And uh, and so, so were, I pulled the plug one day, a cold turkey, pretty much, and okay. just and just left this environment. Oh, okay. So like you were writing songs while yeah. doing stuff at Ormsby. And then yeah, whenever you yeah. decided that you needed to take a break from that lifestyle, like you kind of put left behind even like writing music too? Yeah, certainly. I think that like, um, you know, as an undertone, I did the typical learned how to play music when I was in middle school. No real structure, just got a guitar and that's where my aggression went. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I had this Ormsby thing, which was like the business. Like I got to experience this like this this exposure to to raw business, you know, and uh, in like a DIY fashion. So you know, you kind of lose that playing music all the time, you know, given that your focus because you're working in music, you know. Mm -hmm. So like I guess as like as I like strung along through Ormsby and and was so focused more on Ormsby and and my jobs and stuff like that, you know. Like how many shows a week were happening at Ormsby? I mean, it depends on the year, you know. We we went the first year just having parties with our friends, you know. The second year we were booking shows for our friends. Year after that, we were inviting people to come through. You know, for the four years after it was that, probably like at least one show a week, yeah. Minimum, you'd say, if not more, with intentional breaks. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would hang out and just intentionally not book shows and pass up shows we really wanted, but just pass them up because we needed a break and the neighbors needed a break. But those would last a couple of weeks, and we'd be back to two <laughs> shows, three shows. I mean, there was definitely seven seven day in a row show periods while we were there, no doubt. But uh. It was what we did. It did. It wasn't tough or anything, you know. It was totally. Not, it felt right. Yeah. So you decide to, you know, you need to step away from this lifestyle. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it was intense. I like, I loved it so much. It was like, um, I'm a pretty quiet, reserved person now. That period of my life was just like this. Like I was so loud. I was like drunk constantly, and it. it just, I was a mess, you know, like. Everything was the party at like some point. And I think that, yeah, I just had like a, an awakening moment where I was like, damn, like now I have like this like alcohol dependency that like I don't really know what to do about. Like I have these restaurant jobs and like no education. I don't really know what to do about it. And like, you know, I'm just stuck in like this shithole of like, well, I got Ormsby and everybody thinks I'm cool because I'm doing it. <laughs> but like, yeah, like shit, like what is that doing for me on like a personal level? And, uh, I was a business partner to Cream Akasim, who was, you know, Ormsby was, he was the glue, you know, wouldn't have happened without him. And, uh, and I think that there was just a point where me and him were just like, all right, like, maybe you do need that break. Like, you've been living here for, you know, seven years, six, seven years. Like, so he let me out of my rent, all that kind of stuff, you know, stayed on good terms with me and just kind of gave me the three-year space that I needed. 
What'd you do? Which brought me to, well, you know, I lived at my parents' house. Then I moved in with a friend. You know, Was that also in Pittsburgh? Yeah, man. Um, did, like a, did like a little tour. Moved to my parents' house in Crafton where I grew up. Okay. Um, from Mount Oliver, which is where Ormsby was. Did like a three-month stint there. Moved into this place in Oakland. Did like a three-month stint there. Lived in the north side for like a hot second. Moved to Lawrenceville. Now I'm back over on the west side of Pittsburgh, which is like totally where I prefer to be. <laughs> but anyway, Cream Cream gave me the space and like the go ahead to to not hold me accountable for for what was happening at Ormsby and like for its future and just kind of let me kind of let me sober up and everything like that. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, you know. it's like a landmark or something, probably for some people. For like for me, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. I don't think I personally spent an, a much as much time there as other people have, but mm-hmm. I mean, I played a handful of shows there. Yeah, you got to, and uh, I've gone to shows there, and I definitely have memories in that place. So, yeah, it was crazy. Um, he, man, just even like the way I was like this nineteen-year-old kid, man, and like I knew Cream since forever. My cousin in high school introduced me to him, and uh, he moved to Pittsburgh for a girl. And was engaged to this girl for years. You know, I was a kid, maybe high school, knew him until I was like 18, 19 when he was like losing this relationship with his fiance. Oh, damn. Yeah. And like, he, you should have him on to talk about it. He's like, <laughs> he has a whole other side of this, like Ormsby thing. It's like crazy. He had lost this relationship, you know, it's personal to him. And he calls me, he's like, I got tickets to go see Rise Against. And this is probably like 2006, seven. So Rise Against is still like kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. We didn't even go into the show. We just sat in the strip district outside of Club Zoo drinking six packs until like he convinced me to break up with my girlfriend and go buy the biggest house that we could find for the cheapest amount of money in like a month. And that's literally, <laughs> that is how Ormsby started. So like, so like I ended this year-long relationship that I had and just was like, okay, yeah, let's do this thing and become like these, like, like we literally bought this house. Like we were like, let's become artists or punks or whatever yeah. we are going to be. And that's what he did. He found a house for an affordable amount in a neighborhood that was whatever. And it, it was insane. And that's what kicked the whole thing <laughs> off was like, was him moving to Pittsburgh for a girl that didn't work out, but worked out for us in an entirely different way. That's crazy. So like without this, without that girl being the catalyst, it would never happen. I mean, I would save my lunch money, and Cream's like six, seven years older than me. So like high school, I would save my lunch money for the whole week. And I would give it to him on Friday. And he we would walk down to the beer distributor together, and he would make me carry the 30-pack of Schlitz ice all the way back <laughs> to his house. And that would be like my lunch money would buy like the weekend beer stash. And like <laughs> And I would play the bass, and he would play the guitar, left-handed guitar, so I could never play his guitar. <laughs> and uh, and we would just play "Out Come the Wolves," like basically on repeat for for what we knew of that album to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How were you with the bass parts on that album? Oh man, I'm an awful <laughs> bass player. I mean, I think like I think all around, like I am not. Getting into music, I always wanted to be like a lyricist. I always wanted to be like a poet, but I always thought reading was like lame and gave it no context. So like, I think I am a cheap musician Okay. <laughs> in comparison to like, uh, you know, I played with people in high school that were part of like, you know, band band, like the school band, uh, like well-trained. Yeah. And like, 
you know, I always regret not being a part of it and like and getting the training that it would that, that would allow me to like really understand and be able to tap into every aspect of music. But uh not instead I stuck to like that raw feeling you get for just like really crunchy sounds, you know. Yeah. I think that it's almost like learning a language, you know. They say it's hard to learn a new language whenever you're a I little bit older. I only know slang. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's probably the same where if you try to get really technically proficient at an instrument for the first time when you're, you know, like a teenager, a little bit older. I feel like it's probably a lot, a little bit harder for some people. Mm -hmm. And then also if you're not really like looking to be a virtuoso, like I can imagine like the 15 year old kid that's listening to like nothing but like death metal, like, and wants to play metal guitar is going to have to work oh, yeah. a little harder versus, you know, the kid that's listening to like rancid or some punk stuff. It might be a little bit, easier for them to reach that level yeah. versus uh shredder mick rifferson i tried to go straight for the shredder mick rifferson i had like this this middle school band called sorbid ground okay with a girl named sarah Lorline who has yeah, gone on to do yeah amazing things yeah, I, yeah I was in sorbid so seventh grade okay she ripped the bc rich uh Warlock, Warlock? Yeah. yeah, dude, exactly. That's crazy. You're in a band with her. That's awesome. well. I mean, we're both from Crafton, so yeah. like, we okay. really. It was just kind of like I was very fortunate to have known her when I was really young. So, were you into like metal and shit when you were no. younger? No, you just wanted to be you, in a band. You meet Sarah Loreline <laughs> at at 15, and she's just like up and down the 25, 24, 25 frets on yeah. this like this this metal machine you know this <laughs> warlock and you're just like oh my god and you have, you have no choice but to appreciate metal from that like from that point of your life on so sure. she let me be in her background for for like a portion of time when we were kids cool um we called the project sorbid ground it didn't go anywhere i don't think I, I think it went somewhere without me actually <laughs> but uh but no, Sarah's gone on to do great things, and man, it's uh, it's great that you know her. Now, back to the break, because I, I kind of had like a thought in mind where you know you kind of step away from the music scene and writing music and things like that, right, for a little bit. Well, if I could say it clear, I moved into Ormsby, played the guitar, and was starting to book shows. Later on, I'm only booking shows. My second thing is drinking. And then moving at the last portion of it, I'm hardly booking shows. I'm drinking a lot. Okay. I give everything up to quit drinking. As a gift, my mom bought me a guitar. Um, I didn't have a guitar at this point. Okay. Um, so my mom gets me a guitar, and you know, I spend a ton of time with it, post-drinking, hanging out at my mom's house, trying to figure out which direction to head from there. So, What was it like? either like revisiting those songs or just picking up a guitar or getting back into it with like a clear mindset, you know, like how was that for Ooh. you? Well, I think that uh, the first thing that I'd say is I challenge the clear mindset. Um, I think that, I think that things are just starting to clear up for me now. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, like a, a, yeah. a, I understand. What yeah, you're yeah. Yeah. Sure. But, sure, sure. uh, so everything coming to a halt is real like is great. just the same as like you know stomping on the brakes in a in a moving vehicle is okay. like everything kind of goes up and even though you got a guitar now like you're still kind of in that yeah, that yeah. momentum period. 
So I think that I spent most of that time learning about playing the guitar again and not so much about my creativity. Um, John K. Sampson from The Weaker Thans, I think I learned every song he ever wrote during that time period. Um, I rewrote some songs that I really liked from other artists. Um, Kyle Hall is this person I covered a lot of his music. Um, he's from Bloomington, Indiana. But I spent a lot of time just like teaching my fingers where the strings are again. And, uh, and, and I think that after doing that for a while, little while is when I got the confidence to play my first show out. Um, and then from that point on, you know, is when I got the confidence to tack on Jake Stern. And then we did like an acoustic and banjo mm -hmm. deal. We like uh, his brother does the same thing with him from his project Meridian. Um, so we did that. Did a couple videos. Um, we didn't do any recordings or anything. Just played some shows. And then we tacked on Benny. I think came next, just from picking up the drums in the basement while we played. And then we tacked Laura on intentionally. Um, that was Jake's move. But but yeah, everything was real jarring. And uh, I think it took me a long time. And it and I think that we wrote, rewrote those songs that I wrote years before as like kind of like a bearings project. And once I was able to, once I was able to take a deep breath and get those songs out because I'd already known them, I felt comfortable kind of like venturing back into music, which I think is where I am now. I'm I'm still kind of like figuring out where I'm gonna land. Just trying to figure out like what you want to do as a quote artist yeah yeah exactly are you somebody that listens to a lot of different music or like pull from like way too many points of influence no man okay. i yeah listen <laughs> i drive i drive a car in total silence sometimes npr okay um i listen to the albums that i listened to forever ago um over and over again <laughs> my vinyl collection is 2000 to 2012, um, maybe 30 records. Yeah. I listen to those on repeat, you know. Um, I just have these, like, albums that, like, I fell in love with. And, like, every other album, like, just doesn't, like, I don't know. I don't have a big music vocabulary. Huh. It's, it's wild. I've met a ton of touring musicians. I've listened to a ton of music live. I appreciate live music so much. Um, however, I do not have, I don't. I don't have any music on my cell phone. So is that that's something people have, right? Yeah. I yeah. think we'll like and you don't use like <laughs> Spotify or anything like no, that. No, no Spotify, nothing. Um a YouTube music when I'd like to listen to it. <laughs> so. Is that something that have you always been that way? Even when you were younger? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I've always been like kind of like one album at a time kind of person. And then like, I'll just go back to listening to the album I was listening before yeah. I found that new album. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, now, uh, I'm kind of curious now. I'm like my, like all these, uh, like kind of like a little whirlwind, whirlwind sure, going dude. through my head just because I don't know, like I understand that sentiment, but I don't know if I've ever talked to like a musician <laughs> or someone, you know, that's out playing shows that kind of has that attitude. And I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just, it makes me curious about like some of your like aspects of like, reasoning for uh creating music or recording music i feel like it it honestly might even come from like a more pure place <laughs> you know whereas if you're somebody who is always listening to albums and buying albums collecting records and you're like i want to put out this record because i collect records and i want to put out an album because that's what bands do i feel like maybe with somebody like you that might not be the case certainly i like 
No, and I was just having this kind of conversation with my drummer Benny, where Benny is very like, um, you know, like we're musicians, like we should we should be getting paid for this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, man, like like I have a job to like put out an album. I'm lucky that people are listening to this shit. <laughs> like, sure. Um, like, no, um, this is this is my therapy. Um, I write the music that I write because uh, because I feel better when I'm writing it because. I can rewrite a moment to to be the way that I'd like it to be. It's weird. My creativity is like I think only raw, and that's a uh, and that's it. I mean, I'm influenced for sure. I'm just don't like a lot of sound at one time. I don't. I'm just like so easily overwhelmed. <laughs> okay. That uh that I write my songs on the acoustic guitar and then I, I show them to Jake and Jake's like, okay, well like that doesn't make any sense. So like this is how it would. <laughs> And I'm like, thanks, man. Like, you get this. Cause, like, you know, I write like an idiot. I would certainly give anybody who, who wrote my music out on sheet music a headache. And Jake cleans and cleans up most of my messes and turns it into something that is listen, like, that you can listen to, you know? Um, I think that it comes out pretty good if it's just acoustic guitar um, and I get away with it and I get to play solo shows because of it. But it's certainly a different experience than than me taking like those partial piece, those, those sewn together piece songs that I have, giving them to Jake and Jake cleaning them up and turning them into like a, a sensible sound. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that goes back to like what I was saying earlier is like I always thought like I just wanted to be like a poet or or like a writer. But that, but that writing doesn't have any context. When I read other people's poetry, I'm always like, I don't hear what you're saying. Um, what if you hear somebody recite poetry? Much different. I, I'm specifically speaking to paper, uh, okay. to reading people's poetry. Yeah. Um, and I always felt like when I wrote down mine, um, it came off the same way. That if I were to give this to somebody and they were to read it, or if I've gone back and read my writing um, later, um, and not heard the context as dramatically as I did before. Um, you know, I think that I think that that's what I wanted the music for. That's why I wanted the acoustic guitar is to like to help somebody hear this, you know, or mm-hmm. to to make it like a, something you could listen to. But um, as a musician, I think I pull heavily from like a few influences. Like as a guitar player, you know, I have like a Smashing Pumpkins obsession. This past year, um, my band did a cover set. Um, yeah, the Otis Wolves did this cover set, and it was it was amazing to practice and do, and it brought my band closer together. But I was there. I'm not sure if you. Yeah, if you, I absolutely uh, remember. Yeah, I absolutely it was, remember. It was it was tight. And uh, thanks. And uh, <laughs> but like, but like now that's like how we are practicing. Like you know, like we were we were practicing. Um, the dynamics of quiet and loud and uh you know like the like really toned up heavy fuzz like almost you know indistinguishable fuzz and that's kind of that's how i draw my influence so for the past year i've listened to siamese dream and that's pretty much it you know that album has the gnarliest bass tones just the the album is i mean it's 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 a work of art yeah the smashing pumpkins were my favorite band in fourth and fifth grade nice uh i think i found them closer to like 16 okay i had like a black nail polish i like really like tool at like one point yeah, yeah, tool yeah. was fucking sick yeah uh who else i was yeah, i had like 
you know that like questionable like typical rock phase they're like the bands you're liking could go like the system of a down way or like could go like you know Man, i loved system of a down were you a system of a down yeah. fan i always thought it was cheesy i like it yeah i'm not i'm not you know no, just hey it I, never, I, i'm never one of those people that if somebody has like a a negative or conflicting opinion about something I like, especially with music. I don't, I won't try to convince somebody that they're wrong or try to like, Oh, you just haven't listened to the right album or something like that. It's just like, you know, everybody takes in sound and different things differently. I mean, 10 minutes ago, you told me you don't like a lot of sound and you get overwhelmed <laughs> easily. So I totally understand why yeah. system of a down wouldn't be your thing, Yeah, but I'm kind of the opposite. You know, I like very abrasive, loud a lot of stuff going on music like i'm i'm into that but i also appreciate you know simple things as well mm -hmm. but i do really have like this uncontrollable uh gravitational pull towards anything that's like really abrasive well i should say that that's like where i am now you know growing up i think i was able to hand handle abrasion a lot better sure I, like you know had like a, I remember the big Dead Kennedys back patch I wore. Like, <laughs> okay, you yeah. Know, like all my friends were in grind bands for whatever reason, which later turned into power violence. And you know, I, I smiled through all that. Whatever, <laughs> you know. smiled through all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a cool. And now all those dudes are in in Doom drone bands now, which is sick. Uh huh. Um, and that music's like perfect for me. I'm like starting to get into it. I think it might be. Something to do with turning 30. I bought a denim jacket, back patches to go with it. Uh-huh. And uh and I'm just starting to dig drone music or like that like really like it's called drone, I think, where it's just like a metal riff for like 20 yeah, minutes. Right? Doomy. Doomy. Like, yeah. It's yeah. there's kind of like I'm sure there's some more technical aspect of it. But like I, it just doesn't change much. Yeah. It's just like you're just chilling. Yeah, it's funny because like, like I feel like in this in a slight way I can kind of relate because for a while I wasn't into any of that stuff, you mm -hmm. know. And just uh in October I just turned 31. But like over like the past couple years, I'm like going out of my way to find like Black Sabbath records. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm really, really into. Have you listened to Chelsea Wolf at all? Have not. I think that um that's something that you should check out. I'll need to write down a note for you. Sure. Uh, she does like like really dark but super pretty and beautiful and relaxing, but still like heavy and big. I don't know. It's it's awesome. It's tough, man. Because like <laughs> as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself like, damn, like no, I don't like music very much, but like, <laughs> but like I do like music like a ton. So like I'm trying to think like. Like I don't like very intense music that's like too much to handle, and then I'm then you're telling me this right about Chelsea Wolf, and I'm like, damn, that kind of sounds like Jeff Rosenstock, who I'm like incredibly into and like really like, and is intensely overwhelming and like way too much. So like I don't know. I maybe don't it's just know? like a, and you, maybe you just kind of need to be in the right time, right place. Like yeah. you need to be in the mood for a certain level of intensity. I think I think what I was really trying to express is I don't I don't walk with headphones in I don't drive a car to music yeah 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 when I listen to music I set time aside to listen to it typically and if I'm setting the time to listen to music it's it's typically something that was premeditated um, where I have friends who uh, basically have a floating playlist that just sure. will never cycle back to a song well I can relate with you in some ways if I'm 
in a car. Um, I don't need to listen to music. Um, sometimes somebody would be like, hey, you know, you kind of put something on where you want to listen to him, like, ah, whatever. Or if I'm in somebody, a friend of mine's car, and they're listening to something, like, do you want to put on something? Like, do you want to change it? Like, I don't know. I just kind of tune it out. Like, I don't really even care if you're listening to mm-hmm. something. Music in a car isn't really important to me. Yeah. Um, it work. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Sometimes I listen to music, but mostly podcasts at work. And here, like, you know, I'll usually throw on a record when I get home, make dinner, sit down, do a couple things on the computer, you know, and work on my own music. I got Jake for that. Jake comes home and puts on music. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I do relate with you in the aspect where I'm not somebody who listens to music 24-7 either. Mm -hmm. But I definitely am, like, very aware and connected with like the music that I like. And I'm always kind of like still always listening to music in some way. I don't know. And you're in the hip hop scene, right? Like, that's yeah. like, man, what's that like? It's the same. Yeah. You know, it's, you want, like you want to get more people to come out to shows. You want to get people outside of the scene to acknowledge that it exists, but it's, it's hard. I don't know. I feel like this is a whole nother like podcast yeah, topic sure. to like get into talking about the local hip hop scene because there's well, do they have basement shows? Is yeah, there hip hop um, basement sometimes, shows? Sometimes, sometimes there, yeah. there, there are shows in DIY spaces, mm-hmm. but they're you they're not really billed as basement shows, and it's rare. I have a lot of friends that are like peers of mine in the hip hop community that will play a basement show, but it's usually on a show with some other punk bands. Yeah, yeah. And it's all people that we know. You Man, know? I had like this, like, in my high school band, I made my band, like, stop with the punk stuff we were doing to write a hip-hop song. And, like, ugh, I didn't do a good job. <laughs> and, uh, the like, one, this person that I'm seeing, uh, she found my high school band's MySpace. And, like, I just had my fingers crossed that it wasn't on there. I was very fortunate it wasn't on there. Okay. Listen... A lot of black eyed peas in high school, big black eyed peas fan. And uh I certainly wouldn't have made it. Yeah. <laughs> certainly wouldn't have my raw emotions do not do not come out in well, rhyme. That's the, the funny thing is I've been rapping under uh Sykes for the past ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh so that that goes back some time. And yeah. uh there's still a lot of stuff online that's like reasonably embarrassing from Oh my god. Because it's all under the same name. But there's also this part of me that kind of embraces that. You know? That I'm with you, dude. It's like you I'm know, with you. There that's where I was ten years ago. There's this fucking YouTube video of me so drunk at like twenty three. If you search the Otis Wolf Wolves, it is the first fucking thing to come up every dude, I've like it has less views than other videos on the internet, and it's still the top thing that comes up. But it's me, shitface, playing We Are the Champions by Queens after the Steelers or Penguins won something for a room of like 12 people. It is so embarrassing. Uh, but I love it. <laughs> like at the same time, like I see it and I'm just like, damn, like I guess that's part of this like legacy of life. Like, you know, like I fucking sitting on a kitchen table, like mohawk and all, huh? <laughs> How do you take to um the evolution of social media and how that's played a role in DIY music? Well, it's here to stay, so no point in trying to say it's unfair let's ban it i mean 
like I was saying before, I am not business driven. Um, if somebody records us playing live, I think it's flattering. Thank you. Um, you know, I plan to charge money for our t-shirts, for our vinyls, if we get them pressed, um, for CDs when we get them made. Um, I plan to turn a profit with my band um, to keep my band going, but to not put dollars in my my pockets um, unless, you know, we're doing some big stuff and that becomes my full-time obligation. Anyway, I think that I think it's here to stay. I think it's flattering when it happens to me. Um, my end game is not the same as some other people's, so I can understand why... Uh, pay what you can does not work for everybody, but, uh, it works for me. And, uh, and you know, I know Snapchats are impermanent. (laughs) Um, I know that Instagram videos are old after that, you know, the second that they're done, but, uh, I think it's flattering. Thank you to anybody who's ever filmed me. Um, you know, thanks for your time for your second, um, for your post on Instagram. Um, and I don't, Welcome to my music for free, you know? Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Do you use a lot of social media personally? Me, I just looked up my Twitter a couple days ago. I have nine posts. Um, (laughs) Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I have an Instagram that's related to my personal life. Um, Jake and the the bandmates will run the Facebook page time to time. Um, For the Otis Wolves? Yeah, yeah. We try to to answer every... Well, they try to answer everybody and let me stay out of it. And uh, yeah, no, um, my Facebook is pretty tied to just my personal friend group, and and uh, I add people that I get closer with from shows or people I've known in the past. But for the most part, uh, I deny strangers or or uh, you know friends of friends or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm private. I like to keep to myself quite a bit, especially as I get older. And you know, I had such a public life at one point where we were running Ormsby and we were running the Tumblr page. We were running the Facebook. We were running the Twitter. We were running, you know, um, most of that credit going to Kayla Taylor for doing all of it. Um, when she did, you know, and to cream and any, anybody else that was associated with Ormsby. Um, we were all just learning about Facebook. Then you, you could, you could book a big show through Facebook and it was okay when we were using it. So like, so the, the problems that people are really experiencing with Facebook now with Instagram and Twitter now, those weren't there. Like we, there was a code on the internet that you highlighted and pasted into the URL browser of your Facebook Uh friends. And And you could invite thousands of people. Easy. People hated me because I just, they moved out (laughs) of Pittsburgh, but stayed my Facebook friend. And like, you know, I made some real enemies, but, uh, but really, uh, it is, a hot climate right now. Mm-hmm. I urge anybody to be careful using their their media and stuff like that. It is it is is certainly a stage to for for the First Amendment. I guess people could say whatever the fuck they want. Uh, they should, I guess. Um, how it affects bands, how it affects my band is positively how it would affect somebody who's trying to make a buck and turn that full us tour into profitability you know those bands need people to buy their albums digital those bands you know they need that money before they roll into your town i'm at the stage where you know i'm touring on my paycheck so like any press is good press you know for me yeah whatever man i don't don't know (laughs) i'm down (laughs) i don't use it 
I know that people could use it against me or for me. You know, it's it's a tool, it's a weapon, whatever. Uh-huh. I just it's arm's length, but but band wise, it's it's cool. Future, Otis Wolves, what you got coming on? Which what, what you got coming on? What, what kind of a sentence is that? Uh, what you got coming on? <laughs> what do you have coming up? Yeah, uh, you know, the end goal is for, we put out an EP, um, the end goal for the Otis Wolves, I think, is a full-length album that is, is sounds solid, you know, well-produced, well-thought-out, and, uh, you know, and... And that's just something that you're working on now? No, we're working on, uh, we're working on putting, we're putting together a full-length that we just, like, from, from start to finish makes sense together, so... It's taking us a while. Um, we're all pretty amateur magician, musicians, <laughs> magicians, magicians, mus- <laughs> musicians, with the exception of Jake Stern, who is, you know, in every project from, you know, here to the Midwest. Have you ever, uh, I don't, do you have any music videos or anything? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I just talked about the one that's horribly embarrassing, whatever. Um, I, I mean, s- like, a, like, like, a, like an actual like shot, like a promotional no, music video. Could you imagine? I wish. <laughs> um, I don't even think we have a recording quality enough to <laughs> to grace a camera. Um, no, so I was just kind of curious, like, kind of going back to your like affinity with the Smashing Pumpkins and how they were a band that did some really cool music videos. No, well, we did that hell of a stage prop. You did. That was awesome. That was sick. <laughs> Uh, I got so much help with that. It was like, that was like one of those like day before till like two o'clock in the morning, like everybody's covered in paint and we're not friends with each other by the end of it kind of (laughs) situation. Um, Dogs rolling in glitter. Like it didn't go. That was a lot of work, but we'd love to, we'd love to put a music video together. We've had, we've, we've recorded music videos in abandoned buildings um, with our friend Shannon O'Toole. Who, uh, if you ever get the chance to interview, is an amazing photographer and is soon to leave Pittsburgh. Um, but she's taken her time and, and shot some videos for us that are just still camera videos. Okay. But the quality of them come up pretty well. Um, Abby Remold did one of us in a Blackstone uh, Baptist church in McKeesport, which is, I mean, the interior is just amazing alone, plus our songs in it. So tight. Yeah. I think that's a that's the future for the Otis Wolves. We have a show in next year on the fifteenth. Um, Jake's just setting that up now. Um, once a year, our band puts together like a just a local. We we just put together a show for ourselves. Don't charge money and just play our whole everything we have. So <laughs> that'll probably happen sometime around like May or so. We do it every year. Backing up to like whenever you're first deciding to take this acoustic solo project and bring other people into it. You know, was that something that you were intimidated by or were you really looking forward to collaborating with other people? So everything with me is like grassrooted to something else. I played these songs by myself. Um, I played these songs with a good friend of mine, Max Stern. Max is the lead singer of Signals Midwest, has the singer for Meridian, um, is soon to go on to much bigger things. He has always encouraged me to be playing music, always. His brother came to, who's Jake, Jake Stern, my roommate, and I've talked about him quite a bit tonight. Um, 
he came to Pittsburgh to go to college. And I was like, Max, what's up with your brother? Me and Jake just hung out for like a year or so beforehand. And uh, I knew Jake when I was still drinking. And when I quit drinking, Jake was a very close friend. And me and him just grew together. And it's very similar to me and Cream because the age difference is about the same, but the opposite way. So this puts me into Cream's shoes. And I'm introducing Jake to Pittsburgh. Um, And I know Pittsburgh very well. Um, So... There was no hesitation growing into playing music with Jake. It was natural, and it was very easy to do. Benny literally walked downstairs and sat at the drums. Okay, and was just like, <laughs> "Hey guys, like I guess this is where I go now." And uh, and it was that simple to bring Benny along. Um, Laura, however, we were at Bates, which was another music venue, which makes. You know, the story of Jake and me and Cream, very similar. So Jake has his own music venue yeah. at this point in his life, which is when I got it in my in that point in my life. And uh, Max is over, and we're in the basement, and they're drinking and smoking weed and whatever. And uh, and Max is playing Say It Ain't So on the bass at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. And Laura picks up the guitar and, like, can play the riffs fairly well for being drunk at 2 o'clock in the morning. And Jake is just like hung up on Laura from that second on. Jake is just like tugging at my sleeve, like Laura, Laura, like like <laughs> we just gotta get Laura. Like Laura's <laughs> gotta be in our band. Like can't you see that Laura's gotta be here? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like like she's playing "Say It Ain't So" at two thirty in the morning. Like what makes you so sure? And uh, we he with I don't think he asked me. I think he just asked her if she was coming. And when she said yeah, it's like, well, you know, like, okay. shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. And then Laura came on and turned out to be this like wealth of musical knowledge and like a total asset. And you know, now she's in Chattletale with Laura Lee, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, is in with in Rue with Laura Lee. Yeah. And they're going on and doing like crazy big things. So like I don't know. Pretty sweet, but but yeah, it it just kind of everything everything just was in my lap, like you know, like it all just landed in my lap. Like uh, Max was a great friend for many years, and his brother was a great musician, you know, just like him. And uh, when Max couldn't be there, Jake was, and it was just like this. It worked out really well for for me. So you know, it's, it's a privilege to have all three of those people in my life, um, yeah, especially Jake. But but yeah, it just kind of it it grew itself, you know. And Benny sitting down and saying that's where he belongs, and and Laura coming in and you know being as hyped on the project as she was, you know, she really kept when it was just me, Jake, and Benny, like we were grooving. But uh, I think Laura really brought like an aspect that like you know she brought like an excitement. She's the uh, she's the youngest of all of us, so she's always the most excited. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't gone through it. Yet, hopefully, nah, she's going through it. Yeah, yeah. Like I took her on that tour, (laughs) or she came with us on the tour. I mean, she certainly earned her spot. She came with us on the tour. She's out there in, you know, she's out there with Laura Lee now. Doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing, they're doing crazy big things. Yeah, people love Rue. I think what I was saying was just kind of like the after 
so many years, you're still excited about it, but it's like a different excitement, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, she moved from Philly to Pittsburgh to go to college, graduated college. Now she's in a rock band. And like, I mean, I don't know <laughs> if that were good. my story, I'd be stoked. Yeah. Yeah. I never went to college. I just, I CCAC'd it for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took some sign language courses, some history courses, but nah, I, was, I worked for UPS forever. And then, not work for a zip car, so Driving. find me in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> it's rare that I get on my. It's rare that I'm at you know in this situation where somebody's just like, "What do you have?" Yeah, yeah. I think I, I've got too much, man. You got anything you want to get off your chest? Well, I mean, I think we're covering it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, now that I'm on the spot, I got nothing. <laughs> I did Ormsby. I ran myself into the ground. I bounced back and I'm doing this project and just like turning 30 is all right. So like I'd like always had this idea in my head that like all like the big musicians that I've known like or like looked up to in my life or like when I looked up to Anti-Flag as a kid or like, you know, looked up to like uh, to the bands that came before me um, and to the venues that came before me. I always thought that those people were in their 30s. <laughs> And so, like, you know, <laughs> I'm just here kind of hoping it's going to be my, like, next couple of years, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, I think, like, Derek was, like, 30-something when he got signed to F Records, right? And so I, I, was, like, I actually have no idea how old Derek is. Yeah, I think that's, like, <laughs> I cleaned up. It's about to be my time, right? Exactly. It <laughs> yeah, be, right? that's how this goes. I'll take you with me. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll come along. Um, I'll be a hype man. But thanks again for having me. For sure. Um, you know. I don't get to talk all the time, so I, I don't have much stage, stage banter, so kind of a quiet guy. But yeah, I don't know. If people out there are listening, check out the Otis Wolves. Um, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. I need so much more time. I, okay. so, so next time we run into each other, remind me to tell you about who the Otis Wolf is. Um, well, just tell me now. Fuck it. Well, oh, there's just so much, man. We didn't go through through venues in Pittsburgh. You know, I feel like funny. me and you could really pick things there apart. Was a, there was one point when I was talking to you where I was like, I want, I should ask about the what the name, what the, what that means. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, no, we just kind of went off into some other stuff. Man, growing up, I was like dumb into graffiti, like just loved it. Yeah, was awful at it. Just loved it though, and. uh you know, I met the cats associated with it, and they were from like. You would think that writers are from the city. They sometimes are not, and uh, so I met up with these cats from Fayette County, and like they are ridiculous people. And so, so Otis Wolf is this rapper. It's his real name. Otis Wolf is this rapper who who I found on MySpace from this other guy, King Frown, who's all associated to these horrible graffiti writers from the super suburbs. And, uh, and he just, he's got like this, like honest, horrible rap where he's just talking about fixing his bike with like pliers and like what he's going to do for weed and like crack and like how he's going to get it. And like, they are just awful, bad, horrible rap songs that I became obsessed with as a kid. <laughs> okay. And uh and like I never knew him as a person. I just knew him as this this MySpace person I've talked up in my head to be like this like man, the Otis Wolf, what would the Otis Wolf do, you know? Yeah. And uh 
and he put out more he put out YouTube videos which were like these rambling stories about him like getting beat up and eating bugs and like these just like <laughs> right wow. and he, like these kids would like put him up to like eating his own hair and like just like smoking bugs and stuff like that like this is like a progression and uh, yeah. and I was not associated with how they treated him at all or like his participation in this whatsoever and uh and I think that like I was like somehow just like scarred by this like this person and like and and like I met him in real life and I was so underwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> okay that yeah. like uh yeah that I named my band after it. And just like, <laughs> and just always thought like Otis Wolf would be like, that's not a rap name. Like the Otis Wolves is a, that's a rock band, man. That's a fucking rock band. Yeah. So I fucking stole it, man. <laughs> and the I tried. The story is so much better than I thought it would ever be. And I tried. God damn it. <laughs> I had him over to Ormsby. Cream tried to record an album for me acoustic back when I was drinking, but it was impossible to do anything with me sometimes. And we had him come over and try to rap into the background of my acoustic album. Fuck, it went so bad. <laughs> but like we made him this promise that was like so outlandish. And like I had to buy him, I we bought him malt liquor and fucking Newports and like really played into like this like awful thing that I did. And that's why I named my band after it. It's like just cause like cause because uh, smoking on South Fayette is some dumb shit. I yeah. don't know. Like, it's crazy, man. Fuck. Crazy. Anyway. That's awesome. What about uh, Pittsburgh venues? You said you kind of just, you just want to. Oh, man. I'm just saying that, like. Yeah, you I guess know, that's a topic. There's yeah, a of... we just got to hook up some time and just yeah. sit down and just rap about things. I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, we haven't run into each other very much. And I think that that's getting, like, a. Uh, the, the chances of that happening are slimming down every every day that we're getting older, you know? Totally. Two, two guys in their 30s from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, but... Totally I part of their scenes, but never really getting to shake hands till tonight. Yeah. You know, so... It's pretty wild. Well, thanks for coming over. Yeah, thanks of course. Thanks for the of stories. And, uh, yeah, we can... We'll wrap this up right about now. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Max is an awesome dude. It was really cool to finally, you know, sit down and have a conversation with him. Again, it's super weird. You know, we've been kind of in the same sort of circle of people for a long time. And we just hadn't really crossed paths too much until recently. And yeah, really glad to have him on the show. This band's really good. Really cool to hear all that stuff about Ormsby. And yeah, maybe we'll be hearing more about Ormsby in the future. We'll see. I'm going to work on it. I'm, there's a lot more to be told. Just, just saying. Anyways, I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016 but not for much longer woo woo <laughs> thanks for listening